All right, here we go again. Another week of the CIC cast. This may be three straight editions of the CIC cast in which we have actually managed to stay on the every other week schedule. So how about that? Those of you who uh, were smart enough to subscribe to the CIC cast on iTunes or your favorite podcast delivery vehicle, you have been getting them at a regular interval. Those of you who have not done that and are just listening into us today, I, I can't possibly fathom why you wouldn't have subscribed to the CIAC cast at this point. But we are glad you have chosen to spend a little time with us talking about high school sports. I am Joel Cookson, and uh, a quick shout-out as well to our friend John Holt and former guest who was the only person to uh, to contact me in, in praise of the new intro music. So we, uh, we appreciate that very much. I, I, I agree with John that I missed the tambourine a little bit from the previous version, but uh, I thought the new one, it was time for a change. So we did that with the new CIAC cast intro music and hope folks enjoyed that and hope you're enjoying the podcast. We uh, are excited to be back talking a little CIAC tournament action here. We have got uh, just two guests this week, uh, one short maybe of our normal three, but we're going to kind of quickly dive in here. It's a busy time of year. Try to check in on a few of the tournaments that are underway and things that are happening uh around our CIAC tournaments, and then obviously once the spring season wraps up uh, next week, uh, real championship week, uh, we will be back with another edition of the CIAC cast trying to uh, to bring it all together. And uh, hopefully as well, it will stay on schedule throughout the summer. So as I said, if you uh, listen to us, I uh, uh, would love if you would subscribe. You can find us on, the, uh, on iTunes. The Google Play app and on Stitcher are all places you can uh, find the CIC cast and subscribe. If you do subscribe on iTunes, please rate us and leave us a review. Just a good way to know how many folks are checking us out each week. And uh, here's what we've got for you this week. We uh, we thought it would be a good time to check in with one of our regular CIC cast contributors, Mary Albel. She'll help us break down what we've seen so far in the CIC Outdoor Track and Field Championships and preview the upcoming Open Championship, which will be on Monday. Then we're going to get in touch with another uh, recurring CIAC cast character, Dave Rudin of the RudinReport.com. He's going to check in with us on uh, some of the happenings with the boys and girls lacrosse tournaments, which uh, uh, for the girls have reached the semifinal stage. Boys lacrosse uh, quarterfinals will take place tomorrow, Saturday. So good time to check in with Dave. Obviously, the uh, the Fairfield County schools that he covers regularly are uh, well represented among those competing for CIAC championships in boys and girls lacrosse. So that's what we've got for you this week. Some track conversation, some lacrosse conversation, and uh, some well-knowledgeable uh, well folks to help us talk about those topics as we go forward. So that's what we've got coming up. Uh, we will quickly here run through things you might have missed on CIACsports.com. One thing, today is the deadline. So uh, if you are listening to this, do not miss the deadline. You can find it on CIACsports.com, the application deadline for the New England Summer Leadership Conference. It's a, a great, great, great event um, that we hope you'll, uh, you'll check out. Um, the New England Student Leadership Conference, it's held in Massachusetts every year. You can find the information uh, we've been tweeting about it or you can search for it on CIACsports.com. That's a, uh, a great thing for uh, student leaders out there. Take a look at it. The deadline is today, so you're going to have to hustle uh, if you want to get that application in, but uh, find that on CIACsports.com. And of course, this time of year, Tournament Central is the place to be. It's got just about everything you could possibly want. Schedules, brackets, 
rosters, uh, updates, anything you could possibly look for uh, for the CI directions to uh, to venues um, to for the CIAC tournament. So please check out Tournament Central. Uh, sign up for updates. You can follow us on Twitter. This time of year, Twitter account is very busy. We tweet out the result to every single CIAC tournament game. So we'll be flooding your. Uh, Flooding your timeline a little bit, although starting to uh, to have fewer results as we start getting deeper into the tournaments. This week has been a busy one for the old CIAC Twitter account. You can follow us at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. We just posted a new edition of Linked Up on CIACsports.com. That's, uh, of course, a, a collection of some of the best feature stories from around the uh, state of Connecticut. So check that out as well. We got some information there um, as careers maybe come to a close or just uh, for anybody interested out there, some information on how you might become involved in high school sports as an official. Uh, so we hope you'll uh, take a look at that. That's new on CIACsports.com as well. Have some information there. Some championship me media information for the uh, the spring sports. All kinds of interesting things. Also a little bit of a, we did a spring championship promo and uh, some interesting stories of my reason why from Connecticut student-athletes. So all kinds of interesting things there at CIACsports.com. Hope you will check all of that out. And again, of course, follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports. We're on in Instagram now, CIAC Sports uh, on Instagram as well. Hope you'll check that out. Still, uh, still breaking that bad boy in a little bit. I will admit I am not a big Instagram user, so sort of uh, finding our way with that, but hoping to post some things from uh, all of the championship venues uh, as we go forward. We'll have the golf championships kicking off on Monday. I'd say I would expect we'll be uh, on site for some of those, be able to post some pictures, some interesting things there on Instagram uh, over the next few days and, and as we go through the very busy championship weekend next weekend. Uh, so follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and you can email the CIACcast, CIACcast at CIACcast.org. That's how you can find us there as well. So please get in touch with us. Please follow us. Please check out the podcast. As I mentioned, subscribe, uh, rate us, like us on iTunes, all that good stuff. We would uh, we would appreciate that. We are glad you are with us. And uh, before we get to our guests, of course, we want to pass along the message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. I sent out a, uh, a nice gift today to one of our, uh, on Twitter we, we and Facebook, we do a weekly, uh, although I missed this past week, uh, CIAC trivia. And uh, one of the gifts that we give to our trivia winners is a nice T-shirt from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. They remind you to, uh, to not drive distracted, to put the phone away. One text or call could wreck it all. Look, we, we talk about this uh, every time I'm with you on the CIAC cast. It is so, so, so dangerous to have the phone out when you are behind the wheel. We, we're, we're past the point where this should be happening. People should know better. Everybody should know better. I know it's tempting. You want to see what that uh, that notification was that you got. You want to be able to, to flip through and, and see if anybody uh, interesting has texted you, see if there's any breaking news on Twitter. I, I get it. I do all these things, but not when you're behind the wheel. Uh, it's just not worth it. You're putting yourself at risk. You're putting other people at risk. All of your cars now can uh, can do Bluetooth, so you can call uh, uh, on the phone if you get a phone call, or just put it in the center console, put it away. You don't need to see it. Don't tempt yourself. It's just not worth it. Please, one texture call could wreck it all. Keep your phone away. Keep yourself safe. Keep your passengers safe. Keep the other people on the road safe. Driving is uh, is hard enough as it is. You don't need the added, uh, added distraction and challenge uh, of adding a phone to the mix. So please, uh, please, please uh, remember that uh, people out on the road during the summer. Uh, we just had that busy holiday weekend this past weekend. Hopefully, 
hopefully everybody was safe out there. And just keep the phone parked away. One text or a call could wreck it all. That's the message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. With that said, someone who will be on the road to New Britain, Willowbrook Park on Monday, is Mary Albel. She's going to uh, help us walk through what's been going on in the world of Connecticut outdoor track and field and uh, break down the divisional championships, break down the upcoming state open. So without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Mary Albel. We have crowned six, or excuse me, five boys and girls champions in outdoor track already through the divisional meets, and the Open is coming up on Monday, and that means it's a perfect time to check in with one of our favorite correspondents, Mary Albel from DieStat.com. She's going to help us uh, break down what we've seen so far in track and field and what's going to be coming up at the State Open on Monday. Mary, thanks as always for being with us. Yeah, Absolutely. So, Mary, as I said, we've got five boys champions, five girls champions already in outdoor track. Uh, the divisional meet's taking place this week. Uh, let's start there and, and kind of before we start looking ahead to the Open, kind of look back at what we saw this past week. So what uh, with, with those, uh, whether it's the team results or um, any of the individual performances, what kind of jumped out at you from, uh, from those divisional championships? Yeah, again, um, I think we saw a lot of the same um, as far as team champions. Mm -hmm. um, a few surprises. Um, class double or Class L, Wyndham boys, um, great showing for them winning the Class L title. Um, and then uh, as far as individual performances, um, kind of, you know, you, you did see a few of the same names you've been seeing mm -hmm. um, for quite some time. But a uh, few of these events, you saw some new faces emerge, which is um, really nice, and it's going to – Shake things up at the state open come Monday. Yeah, any uh, any particular performances that uh, that jumped out at you? Whether I know there was a uh, you know at least a handful of meet records uh, established, which is always pretty cool to see. But what yep. uh, what stood out to you uh, in terms of some of the the individual performances um, from from the divisional meets? Yeah, I think you know Connecticut's always kind of been known, at least you know the last ten fifteen years, as a distance um, hotbed, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, Drew Thompson, all these guys uh, have established themselves, but it was really neat to see in Class Double L. Um, just Dan Barry, obviously, you know, very well-rounded team, but you saw um, them take the 3,200 title um, and almost a meet record, um, mm -hmm. beating uh, Christian Alvarado's time. That was Daniel Nichols, um, senior from Dan Barry, and that was really neat. And then um, you saw, obviously, Alex from Wyndham, um, Elizabeth Stockham from Rocky Hill, um, she, I believe, set the record for Class L or Class M, um, but just a sophomore, 455 in the 1600. Mm -hmm. um, that was really neat. Um, yeah, just kind of some performances like that. And then uh, I think just going back to the sprints, um, you saw Newtown. Um, I don't know if it's a surprise. Newtown probably wouldn't call it a surprise, but Class Double L. Um, you had Junior um, Carly. I'm going to probably butcher her last name. <laughs> Swipert, um, but she was uh, edged out Aisha Gay of Hamden mm -hmm. in the uh, 400. So that should be interesting to see uh, again come Monday how that kind of shapes out. And then, um, again, in the sprints, um, you had um, Buckley and um, Cromwell, Miller, and um, names escaping me, but they've had a great battle. Mm -hmm. all season um, in the 100 and 200. So I think you'll see that again on display at uh, the State Open. So some really great performances to watch 
on the sprint level. Yeah. Uh, on the on the team side, obviously, you talked about you know some familiar faces and and a few uh, maybe surprises in there, or at least new faces with Wyndham coming away uh, with the chi- mm-hmm. the title. Which uh, you know, and and we'll sort of this will probably lead into uh, previewing the Open a little bit, but which of the performances just from a team perspective uh, at the divisional meets, you know, really kind of impressed you the most? Who, you know, of some of the, either the familiar faces or, or maybe some of the surprises, you know, really kind of uh, kind of impressed you with what the teams were able to do? Um, a name we hear always year after year, um, indoor and outdoor track, Hill House. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think what impressed me the most this year, about the boys at least, um, was they're not normally known um, for their field events, and they got some quality points out of the field this year in the jumps. Um, so I really think, you know, just depending what Gary Moore wants to do and how he shapes the lineup, um, mm-hmm. they could maybe contend for a title against Stanberry um, in the state open. It's going to be tough, but um, they always have some really strong relays, so that was neat to see them kind of have more well-balanced and more well-rounded approach to sure. getting their title this year. Um, and just kind of yesterday, um, second time in a row, Class S boys, Derby. Um, that's just, you know, I don't think we can call him a Cinderella story anymore, but it's just been awesome to see what Nick has done with that program with so very few athletes. Um, they've really emerged, you know, as a contender with Ken Little Jr. in the distances, and they have some throws um, and jumps. And So I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the top five um, come Monday. On the girls' side, um, Danbury girls, Bloomfield, um, that should be a really great battle. I don't think you can count out Greenwich. Um, maybe even they've done a really great job again, Fairfield Ludlow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of been a program that's been on the rise steadily year after year, and they've got some great underclassmen, so it would be fun to see what they can do. And then, um, again, you know, Hill House girls, they're always, um, they're always in contention. So it should be a really great battle come Monday. Yeah, you talked to us. So we'll let's uh, we'll kind of start to to break down some of the open stuff. And as you mentioned, really good uh, performances this past week in in the divisional meet. So on that team competition, obviously, uh, you know it's been the Bloomfield girls. They've been dominant mm-hmm. in in cl- either Class S or Class M, depending on where they uh, they right. fall in the divisional meets. But they've also won the last few. Uh, open titles you uh you you gave us you know a few teams that you think might be in the mix challenging them uh how are you kind of seeing that breaking down is it is it bloomfield and and then maybe a tear down to everybody else or do you think it really could be a toss-up uh in that girls open uh, team competition i think it could be a toss-up i really like the windsor girls um they're always you know forced to be reckoned with um they have some you know top times from 100 down to the 800 Mm -hmm. um jumps too so they're never counted out um bloomfield i would say favorite along with danbury girls windsor um for the girls um on the boys side uh, we haven't mentioned them yet but hall Mm -hmm. they've just been um coming kind of going back to the indoor season you know they've really um just done a great job with especially their distance crew so i wouldn't be surprised to see them in the top five and you know it's always you can never um, guarantee, you know, when you do the scores, what's going to happen come sure. Monday, given the weather and everything. So um, I really think on the boys' side, you got Danbury, Hall, Wyndham. Um, it's going to be really close, I feel like. Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, and I, I did a little research here. Danbury trying to become the first team uh, since they did it in 2009 to win the double L title in indoor, outdoor, and both open titles. So we haven't uh, haven't seen anybody pull off that uh 
that 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 grouping of championships since 2009, and they were the last team to to do that. So a little bit of uh, of recent history there. It's been kind of a uh, we haven't seen a lot of consistent uh, champions in that open on the boys side. Bloomfield, uh, the last few uh, open champions on the girls side. Right. So uh, always curious to see how that uh, that open title will shake out. What about uh, what about some of the the individual events? What do you think just in terms of the you know, the competition that we may see or, you know, possible records falling. What are some of the events that really stand out to you at the Open that you're going to make sure you uh, you keep keep an eye on and, and, and think there's going to be some great competition there? Yeah, I think you start um, with the Girls 100. Um, I mentioned before Buckley and um, Cromwell. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a great race between um, those two runners, um, Miller and um, Andrea. Mm-hmm. So, And then you throw in um, maybe the 200 or 400 with Aisha from Hamden, and then you have um, Newtown's Junior. Um, I think you're going to see a record fall. It'd be awesome to see, you know, somebody go under 55-54 range. Um, so that could definitely happen. And then um, I think also in the throws. Um, Amanda Howe from Southington, um, she's just been impressive and consistent in the disc and shot put. Mm-hmm. And also um, go back to the pole vault. That's always been a fun event to watch and Connecticut's done a great job of producing great pole vaulters. So I think on the girls' side, that's going to be an event to watch. On the boys' side, um, I think you go back to those distant races. Um, depending, you, you know, you saw a lot of guys double, triple up in some of these events, mm-hmm. 800, 16, 3200 to get the points. It'll be interesting to see where they decide if they want to do the triple, double, or just focus on one event. But I think you're going to see a great battle in the 3200. Um, all these guys are capable of running under nine minutes. Mm-hmm. So the top ones: Drew Thompson, Will Landon from Staples, um, Alex from Wyndham, um, the kid from Danbury. So um, I think the 3200 is going to be great. Um, the boys 800 and girls 800. Emily Philippides from Greenwich. She just ran a meet record um, at the double L 212. I know she'd like to go under 210, so that could happen depending on the weather. And on the boys' side, you have um, Ann Bartlett from Ludlow, and he's capable of, you know, that 153, 152 range. So I don't know if somebody will get down to that meet record. I think it was set by Cass Loxham. Maybe Spencer Brown broke it, um, but that um, they could get down to that time. Mm-hmm. So those, those events, I think, are going to be the ones to watch. Really exciting stuff. It'll get underway at uh, at one thirty on Monday at uh, Willowbrook Park. Weather uh, weather permitting, we'll hopefully get a uh, uh, a nice day for it. I'm curious, Mary, just uh, you know, if maybe for our listeners, and and I will say for me as well. You talked about you know deciding uh, whether some of the distance folks are going to double up, triple up, perhaps on mm-hmm. on race competition. Um, you know, and obviously there's decisions that are that are made um in terms of who runs where obviously they would have to have qualified through the divisional meets but when when coaches are kind of figuring out those decisions are those athlete decisions are those coaches decisions from from your experience how do they you know what are what are some of the processes that, that take place um in terms of determining who's going to run where uh you know as we head into the open yeah all these coaches you know um calculate the scores and if they're in contention for a team title. You know, a few years ago you saw Brian McMahon. Um, they had a chance to win the indoor title, so Eric Vanderels, he could have focused on one distant mm-hmm. event. He ran the 32, 16, and 800 and won all of them. Yeah. So he scored, you know, 30 points. <laughs> and I think they finished second place, you know. So yeah. I think it all depends on the team title, how the athlete is feeling, you know, if they're still tired from the, the divisional meet, you know. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Alex from Wyndham double double up. Um, you might see him in a relay because I think they have a chance mm-hmm. to win the title. So I don't think he's going for that meet record. I think he's going for the win. Right. Um, you know, getting those points. So I think it all depends, you know, um, if they're in contention for a team title and just how the kid is feeling. So I think it all the coach will make it the athlete's decision. Gotcha. Yeah, so sort of uh, maybe give them the information and, and then let the kid uh, make the determination based on how yep. they're feeling uh, on mm-hmm. that day. So just another uh, another little subplot to look at as we uh, we head into Monday. Should be a lot of fun, and uh, I know Mary Alba will be there and yep. uh, keeping tabs on everything as she always does for us. Mary, thanks so much. Always do a great Absolutely. job uh, keeping track of everything with uh, with track and field, and we'll, we'll see you on Monday. Sounds good. Thanks so much to Mary. You can check out her work at uh, on Twitter at Mary Albel, a at M A R Y A L B L, and uh, at DieStat.com. Does a great job with feature stories. Keeps really great tabs. Uh, one thing that I love Mary does is she keeps great tabs on the uh, some of those past. Connecticut High School standout track and field athletes and, and how they're doing at the college level. Just uh, talked the other day about former Staples uh, standout Henry Wynn uh, and how he's doing at the University of Virginia with an impressive performance, I believe qualified for the Nationals. Uh, Danae Rivers, formerly of Wilbur Cross, has been outstanding at Penn State uh, running at the collegiate track level. So uh, that's another great thing. And I actually meant to mention, ask Mary about that, and I forgot. Got distracted by the uh, the high school championships. Maybe at a, a later time we'll, we'll track down some of those uh, those former Connecticut high school standouts. But until then, let's get on to our next guest. We talked a little outdoor track and field. There are tournaments going on in many, many sports right now. You've got baseball, softball, boys and girls. Tennis uh, has actually almost concluded at this point. We've got team champions in two of the three girls' tennis divisions. The third one will be today. Uh, boys' championships are all wrapped up, and then the Open Championships in boys' and girls' tennis will get underway tomorrow. So we've got that going on. We've got boys' volleyball. We've got uh, baseball, softball. We've got boys' and girls' lacrosse, and it's boys' and girls' lacrosse that's going to get our attention now as we check in with Dave Rudin of therudinreport.com. He's got a pulse of, uh, of what's happening down there in Fairfield County and uh, some of those outstanding lacrosse programs that are going to be pursuing championships over the next week or so. The CIAC Boys and Girls Lacrosse Tournaments roll on, and we reach a little bit of a a break here as we're recording this on Friday. The girls' quarterfinal round uh, took place yesterday. The boys' quarterfinals will take place uh, tomorrow. So we wanted to get on the phone with our good friend Dave Rudin from therudinreport.com, who keeps tabs on things happening down in Fairfield County better than just about everybody, and that means a lot of boys and girls lacrosse. So, Dave, thanks very much for being with us. Uh, Jill, thanks for having me. It's always a lot of fun, and I appreciate it. We love getting on the phone with you, and I was just thinking to myself, you know, we've got uh, uh, Dave's written a bunch of different stories that we would like to talk with him about. He did a great thing on uh, on the uh, the behavior of parents in regards to coaching. He did a great story uh, talking about, uh, you know, the division value of Division Three uh, competing in college, and uh, we could even let him uh, get on the phone and yell at me about our boys basketball tournament. But we're go- we'll do that a little <laughs> later on. Maybe I think those are better summer yeah, let's topics. Talk, let's keep it. Yeah, let's 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 keep it all all positive. All right. So, <laughs> so for now, we'll. 
talk about. We will focus on lacrosse. So uh, obviously, uh, you know, the FCAC known for uh, its its strong uh, teams in a lot of sports, but maybe none more so than lacrosse, where they've sort of been the uh, the dominant force, at least in the the larger uh, tournaments. Um, you know, the Class L tournaments the past few years. So let's uh, let's look at things here as they stand. First, starting with the girls' tournament uh, in that Class L field, the uh, the FCAC had a bunch of the teams in the quarterfinals, I believe. Uh, let's see here. They had uh, at least six of the eight, seven, if of, not, eight. seven of eight. Seven so, of the eight. Yeah. Uh, and then one of the uh, non-FCAC teams, Cheshire, did advance. So now we've got three out of the four in the semifinals. So just as you look at that semifinal t uh, tournament in Class L, obviously Darien uh, has been the, the, the top dog in Class L the past few years and in the FCAC. Uh, how would you sort of break things down at this point? Uh, they, they've been challenged this year, I know, a little bit uh, in conference play. How are you sort of uh, feeling about that Class L tournament with those FCAC teams and, and how things may shake out there? Well, uh, Darian, uh, the song remains the same, really. Uh, maybe slightly down from a year ago or past years. And, and, and by slightly down, that means maybe they fall behind a little bit in the first <laughs> half and then sure. explode and, and win. They, they've they been behind a couple of times uh Against Wilton in particular, uh, I know the Warriors had a strong team, uh, got eliminated yesterday by New Canaan. They had high hopes of uh, finally breaking through, but Darian just finds ways to win, and, and, and they are very talented. I want to, you know, sort of an asterisk when you say they're slightly down. It's, it's really relative when you're talking to Dar about Darian, mm -hmm. but they're extremely strong and the all FCAC team, in fact, I literally just posted 15 minutes ago, and Darian's got eight players on it. So Darian is definitely the team to beat right now. But uh, they get their old favorite, New Canaan, mm -hmm. coming up in Tuesday's semifinals. And New Canaan's peaking right now. They're playing extremely well. They lost to Wilton in the FCAC semifinals, and then they bounced back yesterday and beat them 10-6 played really well, great job on, on draw controls, control time of possession, got uh, four straight goals to take a big lead in the second half and then just played very intelligently with them. Uh, they're, they're a very talented team. Braden Dial scored five goals. She's very explosive. Caroline O'Day and Nett had another good game. And the defense did a really good job slowing down Paisley Egan and Eva Greco, two of Wilton's great players mm -hmm. and, and top scorers. So, you know, Darian Nukanen, uh, it's it's a trite cliche, throw away the records when they play, but I know Kristen Woods is very optimistic about her team's chances, and, and we'll see what happens. And then I guess it's a minor surprise. I, I, I won't go major, but... The third FCAC team is Ridgefield, and Ridgefield lost to Greenwich twice during the year and came back yesterday and, and beat them 7-6. They've been playing well. They've got Caroline Colonel and Caitlin Slamenko are two of their top players. So Ridgefield's going to play Cheshire, which is the lone non-FCAC team in there, and mm -hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see if we end up getting an all-FCAC final, but Right now, Darian's got to be the favorite. 
Yeah, no question about it. And uh, we just, I, as I'm looking at the pairings here, those two semifinals will be uh, a doubleheader on uh, next week at Brian McMahon. So uh, a good uh, Actually, chance. Actually, I for, just noticed that myself. Yeah, a good to, uh, a good chance you to gave see. Gave me tweeting material for after this <laughs> podcast. Well, very good. So we, uh, you'll you'll beat me to it. But uh, so you'll be able to see both those semifinalists and and see how they may shake out there. As you look at it, is it, it uh, you know, you mentioned Darien, uh, you know, down by maybe by their standards, which is still incredibly, incredibly good. Um, you know, how have they been tested this year, maybe as opposed to other years? And, and what do you think that, you know, not asking you to predict anything, but just, you know, does it feel like there may be a shot that, that this isn't as inevitable as it's been in previous years, whether uh, against New Canaan or maybe in a championship, or, or is it, uh, you know, sort of uh, you feel like more of the same? How has it sort of been uh, in, the, in the conference play for them this year and, and as for teams challenging them? Well, it's funny. You know, I'm, looking, I'm thinking of some of the games that I've seen where they fell behind early. But I'm looking, and, and I forget what their streak is, over 100 in terms of the last time they lost to an in-state team. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm looking at the scores, and, and actually I didn't even realize this, but even the games they fell behind a little bit early. I was at the game against Wilton. They won that game 15-10, to 10, and that actually was, uh, looks like it was their closest game <laughs> in league play. So, right. I mean, that that's, you know, New Canaan, they won 12-6, so... Even though they've fallen behind early, they've uh, you know they, they've been winning by large margins. They, they're you know uh, they Lisa Lindley's just a terrific coach, and Darian is just really a team without any flaws. Maybe not as many real superstars as they've had in the past, but no weaknesses anywhere on the field. And again, they just find ways to win. And I think what's it's going to take is a team to play with them deep into a game. They haven't really, they, they have been outside the state, and that will help them. They, a couple of their losses, uh, you, you look at their games outside the state, they played Ridgewood, New Jersey, one by two. Garden City, New York, one by two. Mm-hmm. Manhasset, they lost by a goal. And St. Stephen's and Agnes, they lost by a goal. So they, they have had four close games and two where they've lost by a goal. So I'm thinking the strategy's got to be, and it's easier said than done, you have, to, you have to have a lead on them or you have to be very close with them in the last five minutes of a game and force them to make plays, and nobody's been able to do that in the state in a long time. Yeah, no question about it. So, uh, talk a little bit for what you know about that. Uh, and obviously, we don't want to uh, don't want to shortchange uh, Cheshire here, but that's a team that Dave just doesn't see as much. Uh, you know, we, we we go to him for his uh, his knowledge of the Fairfield County squads, but that uh, that Ridgefield team and a little bit of uh, you know uncharted territory for them. They haven't been maybe one of the teams that we've perennially seen uh, advancing into the semifinals or finals in girls lacrosse. Uh, you you mentioned kind of peaking maybe at the end of the year. What do we know about that Tigers team? Uh, as they maybe move forward to, to compete for a championship, perhaps, if they get past uh, the Cheshire from the SEC. Now, Ridgefield's a team that started slow and has really come on the end of the year. Uh, at one point, they were 3-4 and four and lost the tough. The, the fourth loss in that run was against New Canaan, and they lost 7-6, and then... They have not, uh, they lost to Wilton during the regular season and they lost in the FCAC playoffs. But 
those are their only two losses since then, and, mm-hmm. and they've played well. They Their schedule was really front-loaded, so most of their tough teams were early in the season, tough opponents. They played Greenwich. They lost 20-10 to 10 to Greenwich in the third game of the season, so you see how far they've come from a 10-point defeat to being able to defeat a very strong Cardinal team yesterday. So it's, again, not a team with a lot of superstars. Caroline Colonel, who's one of the best three-sport athletes in the state, going to play at Lafayette. She's probably their best-known player, very good on draw controls. And Caitlin Slamenko, a sophomore who is also was a top player and one of the leaders of the girls' soccer team that won the first state championship in school history. And I think she's going to become a household name throughout the state, not just in the league, mm-hmm. as she is right now. So a solid team, no superstars, playing really well right now. I really don't have anything. I, I can't really say much about Cheshire other than um, just looking at FCX teams that they played. They won yesterday with a 12-10 team over Ward, which is a good but not a great team, so it was a close game. They played Greenwich early in the season, and they only lost by a goal, so they've been competitive with some of the FCX best, so mm-hmm. kind of hard for me to say what's going to happen in that game. It'll, it'll be an interesting game, and... Uh, Quite possibly, we're going to see an All FCX final again. Yep. No, it's uh, a lot, uh, a lot still to shake out. And as we said uh, uh, on Tuesday at uh, Brian McMahon, you can uh, get psyched for that Class L final by watching all four, uh, all four semifinal or all four semifinal teams uh, take place there. So let's uh, switch gears over to the uh, the boys' side, where obviously uh, the at least the name at the top of the bracket uh, is going to be very familiar from our uh, our current <laughs> conversation, and that is Darien looking for another championship as they've moved on to the we're still just in the quarterfinals of boys lacrosse with the, sem- the the quarterfinal round coming tomorrow. But you did note before we got on the call maybe a little bit of a different feel to this quarterfinal. Obviously, Fairfield County and the FCAC schools uh, in the mix again. You've got Darian and Wilton uh, already in the quarterfinal round and Ridgefield as well along with New Canaan. But uh, maybe not quite as many faces as we're used to, Dave. Does that surprise you a little bit? Uh, or what does that sort of say to you about that quarterfinal in, in Class L uh, of the boys lacrosse tournament? Well, I think you're going to see that it's going to be interesting. I mean, the first thing that obviously strikes you is that there's only four FCAC teams in the quarterfinals, and I don't remember the last time, it's, it's, well, if ever, that was the case where there were so few teams. So I think you it shows you that the rest of the state is slowly catching up to the FCAC, which probably was inevitable, just the growing popularity of lacrosse throughout mm-hmm. the country that was going to happen. A couple of FCX powers down a little bit this year. Greenwich wasn't quite the same team that we've seen in the past. They're usually a team that's still playing, and they lost to Glastonbury 11-5 in the first round. They have a lot of good young players on the team, so people uh, were lucky to catch them this year because it's going to be a lot harder the next couple of years, especially with a freshman on the team, Leo Johnson. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, the Darian Wilton, New Canaan, and Ridgefield, the usual suspects. Uh, Darian's going to play Wilton tomorrow in the quarterfinals, and they've already had a lot of success against them so far with, with two wins against them in the FCAC tournament and during the regular season. And then 
I think everybody is sort of hoping for a Darian Nukanen semifinal game. I think the consensus feeling is those are the two best teams in the state. Mm-hmm. And Darian and Nukanen, as we all know, in any sport, but in particular, particularly football and boys lacrosse, it's a big deal. And the teams just met on Friday in the FCAC championship game. And Darian was put to the test. New Canaan rallied. They got within 13-12. And they actually had a shot on goal at the buzzer. And Sean Collins, the goaltender who's had a magnificent season for the Blue Wave, made a save to preserve the what is now a 74-game winning streak. Wow. So the one team that doesn't want to see that, uh, besides Wilton, of course, is Fairfield Prep. <laughs> and Fairfield Prep is coming off an 11-10 overtime win over Staples another FCAC team that we're used to still seeing playing. And Prep actually has a one, had a one-goal win over New Canaan during the regular season. Mm-hmm. So they've already proved they, they can beat them. But I think this is a different New Canaan team than Prep saw earlier in the year. They're playing really well. And uh, obviously, <laughs> I'm biased in, in the fact that I'm always looking for a good story. Sure. And New Canaan and Darianne is always a, a good story. So that's something that's going to be interesting to watch. And then the Lone Rangers in the bottom of the draw is Ridgefield. Ridgefield lost to New Canaan in the FCX semifinals in, in an interesting match. And Ridgefield has had a very, very good year. And right now, one of the best players in the state, Greg Gatto, who had a broken wrist and missed the entire regular season until the last game, came back and has been there since. And he makes Ridgefield an entirely different team. Mm-hmm. So... The Tigers are they're, they're going to be going up against one and possibly two non-FCF teams to get a chance to get to the final to play perhaps an FCF team. So that's going to be interesting to watch. You know, obviously, I really can't tell you much about Newtown, which is the second seed, Hall the third seed, or Glastonbury the, the seventh seed. But again, that just goes to show you three of four teams in one bracket the way the rest of the state is coming on. Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, you know, just briefly looking at their, their results, you know, the, all three of those teams have, have played some pretty good schedules. So it's not, uh, you know, obviously they play in good leagues and they, you see a few games out of league where they've challenged themselves as well as out of state, which, you know, I know has been sort of the, the calling card for some of these uh, powerful FCAC teams. They test themselves as well out of state. And you see some of these other schools uh, emulating that as well. So that's a, a great thing to see. And I know one thing you've, uh, I'm sure, certainly noticed, Dave, and this is made for an interesting uh, bracket here in Class L, but also elsewhere, is that uh, the the way the uh, the enrollments have sh- shook out the last couple of years, New Canaan has actually been in Class M uh, as the, the two-time defending champion in Class M uh, over the past two seasons. So now they're up in, uh, up in that larger uh, enrollment bracket in, in Class L, which obviously, as you said, puts them on uh, perhaps on a path to meet their, uh, their rival uh, across town and, uh, and also opens things up a little bit in that Class M bracket. So that's a, a little shift this year that uh, certainly changes the complexion of, uh, of the tournaments across the state. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, as soon as the, you know, the bracket, the divisions came out, I mean, the first thing down here everybody talked about is thankfully New Canaan's in the 
Class L bracket, which is you know really where they uh, belong from a competitive standpoint. Uh, the M, you know, the the Class M tournament the last couple of years has basically been the New Canaan Invitational. Mm-hmm. They haven't been tested, and so it's going to be nice to see for the teams in M. You're going to get a different champion, and, and that's great because those teams deserve a chance to have a you know. A, a more a, a more competitive tournament where they're not getting blown out by New Canaan, and New Canaan wants to be in in L. I I think obviously uh, you want to win a title, but I think nobody on that team and Coach Chip Buzio they would rather get a shot, say, at playing a a Darien, playing a Ridgefield, playing one of the top teams and trying to win than just roller coasting their way to an M championship. Where it's really almost anticlimactic. Yeah, no, it's uh, it certainly, as you said, has 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 kind of resh- reshaped things a little bit, and uh, and and is as you say may have us on the path. But as you said, no 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 walk over here. Fairfield Prep beat him during the regular season, and and Wilton is certainly not uh, not interested in uh, in laying down in the quarterfinals for their rivals either. So a lot still to come. Give us, uh, Dave, just a handful of. Uh, of players to keep an eye on. I know you've uh, you're tracking these teams all year. Who are some of the standouts, either that you've mentioned already or, or haven't mentioned yet, that uh, that fans can can go check out either at the in the quarterfinals or as we proceed through this tournament? Uh, some of the top players uh, that that fans can enjoy over the next week or so. Well, with Darian, they have two of the best scorers in the state: Logan McGovern and Brian Minicus. They do a, a fantastic job. They're the two people that opposing coaches look to defend. Uh, Tanner Strube has done an outstanding job on draw controls. The defense is really, really solid. A lot of players that uh, don't get a lot of attention, players like Andrew Darby, who, who do a fantastic job. And then you know the one player, really, Jeff Braymeyer, the coach, was really concerned about the goaltending spot. He's had great goaltenders, mm-hmm. and Sean Collins has just had a magnificent season. And I talked to Jeff after the win in the FCAC final against New Canaan, and after Sean made that big save, and you know, sort of reminded him how he was a little concerned about the goaltending <laughs> spot, and as he emphasized, and rightfully so, we're long past the point of talking about Sean Collins as being a surprise player because he's just been doing it all year. Yeah. So those are a couple. I mean, you can name almost everybody from Darien. I don't know. You know who I, I hate leaving anybody out. New Canaan. You want to keep an eye on Quinton O'Connell, one of the top uh, middies around. He's actually played his, two of his best games of the year against Darien. So he's somebody you want to keep an eye on. And then they've got some other dangerous scorers like Owen Shin, uh, Shinnan, and O'Connell were really the two players that helped rally New Canaan. Uh, Carl Mazabras and Goal has done a very good job for the team. So those are just a couple of the names you want to keep an eye on. And Chip Buzio is, has got a really deep roster, and he's been ro- he rotates players more than anybody. Mm-hmm. And then... In, with Ridgefield, as I mentioned before, Greg Gatto. And one of my f- absolute favorite players in the league is Noah Isaacson. He is, every game I've seen, he's a defender, and he's assigned to one of the top two 
attack men on the opposing team, and he has shut down everybody in games that I've seen. Other people, I mean, they, they've lost those, some of those games because him being on other players have opened up opportunities for some of the players he's not covering. And then Luke Gatos for New Canaan as well is also back there. And, and, and Gatos and Isaacson, again, are the two defenders who are assigned to be the top scorers. And looking over when the all-FCAC teams were were released earlier this week, I thought Luke Gatos, I can't remember now offhand if he was second team or honorable mention, mm-hmm. but uh, he was a first team player in all the games I saw. <laughs> uh, I don't want to take away from people voted ahead of him because there's so many good players, but I thought he was deserving of some higher acclaim than he received. All right, so lots of good folks to keep an eye on. It is going to be an exciting uh, exciting week or so now. We're just over a week away from the championships, uh, assuming the weather cooperates and lets us stay on schedule. And, uh, Dave, we always appreciate it. You've got so much uh, so much knowledge, and you're on top of everything down there in that part of the state. And, uh, and as we said, this time of year, uh, that means a lot of lacrosse coverage. So we, uh, we appreciate it. We'll be in touch again maybe to tackle some of those, uh, some of those broader topics during the summer. But until then, uh, enjoy the sprint to the finish here in the spring championships and uh, we'll catch up with you soon thanks for having me again as always i just want to point out quickly because a lot of times i think people just see on social media and, and you see me being critical of the basketball tournament and i guess a lot of people you see talk about the some of the negativity and people maybe have a misperception but you matt fisher up there you guys do an absolutely fantastic job we're able to follow what's happening in state tournaments is just absolutely incredible. It's great for the fans. It's great for the media. And you guys do an absolutely tremendous job. And I want to make sure people know that because they probably have a wrong perception because we tend to complain when things are bad and we just assume when things are good. So credit to all that you guys do and everybody should know that. Well, I appreciate that, sir. We uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we will check in with you again. Hope I'll see you out on the road uh, in the next week or so. I hope so, Joel. And again, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Dave Rudin. Always appreciate getting on the phone with him. He's got so much information. He's so plugged in down there. And obviously, uh, we didn't hit on all of the lacrosse brackets. Uh, Dave's, uh, you know, schools in there and there in Fairfield County are, are tend to be towards the top to the uh, to the larger uh, brackets. But uh, a lot of good competition and a lot of interesting things to watch uh, as we go forward. As we said, we're through these to the semifinals. Those. Girls semifinals games will be early next week. Boys quarterfinals taking place on Saturday, and then the semifinals next week before the finals next Saturday. Uh, the girls at Jonathan Law High School in Milford. The boys at Brian McMahon High School in Norwalk. Some of the best, uh, some of the best high school lacrosse in the country. Uh, takes place right here in the state of Connecticut. So if you're a uh, lacrosse fan, uh, please get out and in, uh, enjoy those competitions at those sites next weekend and uh, and, and going through before the finals. going to be a lot of good lacrosse played around the state over the next week or so. We thank very much Mary Albel, and, of course, we thank Dave Rudin at The Rudin Report. Uh, he's at Dave Rudin on Twitter, therudinreport.com. Lots of good stories there. And uh, we thank you very much for being with us. As I mentioned, a little bit shorter uh, edition of the CIC cast this week. So much going on. It's hard to track people down. And kind of in the midst of these tournaments, uh, it's hard to pin down 
exactly what can we can be talking about. So we thought there was a, a natural breaking point there for uh, boys and girls lacrosse and track and field that allowed us to uh, to hit on those sports. But so much happening. Check out Tournament Central. It's tournamentcentral.ciacsports.com, or there's a link right there on the ciacsports.com page. So much information. We really work hard to keep that Tournament Central page up to date and uh, and with all the information you need. If you're ever out at a game, you can uh, just look at uh, on your mobile device, ciacmobile.com. Uh, on your mobile device's browser, we have rosters and a, a roster sheet uh, with information about every single tournament game. So you can find that <clears throat> Excuse me, as well. There's just so much information there at Tournament Central. Uh, past championships, all of our archives uh, for the championships. There's so much good stuff. I uh, really hope you'll check that out. Of course, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. At CIAC Sports on Twitter. Follow uh, the podcast, of course, again, uh, on iTunes. Please subscribe. You can also get it on your Google Play app and uh, on Stitcher. So that's uh, going to do it, I think, for this week of the CIC cast. As I said, uh, next weekend, big championship weekend, and then we will hopefully be back the following week with another edition of the CIC cast recapping all of the, the championship madness. So check it out uh, next week. Keep tabs on everything as we're going forward. An exciting two weeks of uh, CIC championships coming up here as we wrap up the 2017-18 uh, high school season, believe it or not. So thank you very much for checking in with us this week. We hope you'll be back with us when we return for another edition of the CIAC Cast.